It's the dictionary. Hello, word nerds. Welcome to the most ridiculous and fun podcast ever. The one where I, Spencer, am reading the dictionary to myself, staring into a camera by myself, talking into a microphone by myself, explaining all of these words to myself. This is the show. It's all for me. Uh, no, it's obviously not for me. This is for you. I just happen to do this on my own most of the time, but uh, I hope I hope that you are enjoying it. I hope that you're getting something out of it. I hope that you're entertained, and I hope that you're learning. Those are all the things that I hope for here in this podcast show. Um, obviously, you can watch this on YouTube. Obviously. Obviously. When I say that, that means Obviously. Um, and then all the audio places where the fine, where you can find your fine podcasts, you can probably find this one too. Um, I am skipping. Oh, by the way, I should say it's uh, November sixth, six fifty eight a.m. here in my work office. We just had daylight savings time, which really just needs to go away. Um, but I am skipping the previous episode because. Fingers crossed, I'm going to have a guest on that one. We might actually record that in a few weeks. So I'm very excited to get Kevin from the History of English podcast on this podcast to talk about the word English and then a bunch of other English words. Ooh, like English muffin. Fun, fun times. Oh, we're going to have a great time. Uh, so assuming that you are watching and listening to all these in order, you will have already heard that one. Um, so, tagging on to whatever was in that episode, here we go with this episode. The first word is English sonnet. Two words, yes, with a capital E for English. Uh, there's a whole lot of that in the last episode and a bit more of that in this episode. Okay, an English sonnet is a noun from 1890, and it is a sonnet consisting of three quatrains, and a couplet with a rhyme scheme of, ooh, this is, it's not complicated per se, but it is a lot of information. Okay, the rhyming scheme is A-B-A-B, next section, C-D-C-D, next section, E-F-E-F, and the final section, which is just two, that's the couplet, G-G. Okay, uh, it's called also Shakespearean sonnet, so I guess Shakespeare wrote a lot in this English sonnet style. So there's three quatrains, which means there's three phrases of four lines, and then there's one couplet, one couplet at the end of two lines. So you got one couplet of two lines, and then three sections of four lines. And the rhyming scheme is A, B, A, B, C, D, C, D, E, F, E, F, G, G. So the first two lines, um, the, the first line and the third line rhyme, uh, maybe they rhyme with something that sounds like E. And then the second line and the fourth line rhyme. That's Those are the BB. Maybe they rhyme together with OO. Whatever, whatever the rhyming scheme is, A is separate from B, which is a different rhyme from C, which is a different rhyme from D and E and F and G. They all have different sounds that they rhyme with, um, that they're, they're rhyming together. The A's, the B's, the C's, the D's, the E's, the F's, the G's. Those all rhyme together in those pairs. 
You probably already knew that, but I wanted to describe it in a way that would confuse you. A, B, A, B, C, D. I can't come up with one of these right now. My brain just doesn't work that way. I can't make up good words that go together in the spur of the moment. Um, let's see. Anything else? 1890. So I guess before 1890, it was Shakespearean sonnet, probably. And then they just changed it to English sonnet. Because that's how all of the sonnets in England are written. Uh, let's put an example of one of these English sonnets in the show notes. Probably something that I will find. Less likely it will be something that I write. Because who's got time to write things? Okay, the sound effect today is going to be... Um, oh, I, I had it good in my head beforehand. The next word is English sparrow. Two words, noun from 1876... The synonym is house sparrow. So just the sparrow that's in your house is also called the English sparrow. What what other kinds of sparrows are there? I don't know my sparrows, but uh, it's just your standard your standard English house sparrow. Um, <laughs> the next word is English Springer Spaniel. Three words, noun from 1929. This, is, this must be a dog, a spaniel dog. Any of a breed of Springer Spaniels having a muscular build and a moderately long silky coat, usually of black and white or liver and white hair. Liver and white? That's a color. Called also just English Springer. They don't need to say Spaniel every time. Okay, so the color is usually black and white or liver and and white liver i think of that as being this sort of like green brown color uh so i guess i'll post a picture of an english springer spaniel on social media so you can see what it looks like muscular build long silky coat and it's just a type of springer spaniel i think i can sort of visualize these should i let's do uh let's do uh English. Let's type it into the, your old search engine bar. English Springer Spaniel. Is it a Jerry Springer? Oh yes, it's very cute. Uh, it's got its eyes section. Eyes and ears are this like brown. At least in this context, they're brown on both sides, and then the uh, the middle be- between the eyes and the nose. The muzzle is white, and then the nose is brown. And then it's got some, you know, white and brown on the back, too. That's the spaniel. The English Springer Spaniel. They probably spring about, bounce, bounce and dance. <laughs> the next word is English system. The system for all the English things. Two words, noun from 1821. The foot-pound-second system of units. Okay, thanks. That's very helpful. Let's put a link in the show notes for English system. Uh, it's English, why? Because because it's feet, foots and feet, and pounds, opposed to, uh, opposed to what, uh, uh, meters and uh, kilograms? Would that be the, what, the imperial system? We also, so we call this one the English system. That's maybe, maybe, maybe what I'm thinking about. Um yeah, because it doesn't say compared to, like, imperial system. I mean, I know there's the 
metric. Oh, no, that is the imperial system. The metric system, that's what it's called, the other one. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't say compare or, or synonym is imperial system, so this might be something a little bit different. Mm. Foot, pound, second system. So you got you got length, and you got weight, and you got time. How do all those come together? Well, they come together in the English system. That's not exactly the sound I wanted to make, but I will, I'll figure it out. English toy spaniel. We got another spaniel, but this one's a toy. Noun from circa 1934. Any of a breed of small blocky spaniels. They're blocky? With well-rounded upper skull projecting forward toward projecting forward forward toward the short turned up nose that's a hard hard phrase to get out so it's a it's a spaniel but it's small and it's blocky and uh it has a well-rounded upper skull projecting forward toward the short turned up nose so the nose goes up and the forehead comes out forward you know what we're just gonna replace the word springer here and type in toy and we're gonna see what it looks like yep it just looks like they take that the the springer spaniel and you shrink it down but yeah the nose it's the no the muzzle is looks shorter probably similar coloring system and uh it looks very regal they 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 think very highly of themselves this english toy spaniel blocky why would you call it blocky i don't know maybe its head is sort of block shaped anyway uh nope can't do it uh, the next word is English walnut. Two words, noun from 1760. A Eurasian walnut with large edible nuts and hard, richly figured wood. And then also, its nut or its wood is also called English walnut. So the nut is the walnut and the wood is the wood. And it's the walnut wood and the walnut nut. Walnut nut. The species name is Juglans regia or regia. Uh, Juglans regia. I have no idea. My regia seems like it might be related to like uh, royalty, uh, monarchy, but I'm not sure about Juglans. What does that mean? And is it Juglans? Juglans? It's one of those. Uh, let's see. I think my parents had a walnut tree in their backyard and my dad was looking into like you got to process the walnuts and but it's time consuming and expensive but but to buy walnuts it's kind of expensive so i think he was looking at getting into the walnut business but that never happened and then i think they ended up cutting down the tree it might have been sick or maybe it was just the, the walnuts were walnuts kept falling from the sky i don't know um i like walnuts fine i don't eat them very often but uh oh let's bring back my windows okay uh yeah walnuts walnuts they're they're nuts and they're good and i think they look like brains and i think that they got some healthy stuff in there for you so you know eat them sometimes <laughs> english woman is next yeah english woman this one is all one word english woman uh let's see english english yeah that's how you say those words thank you uh noun from the 15th century a woman of English birth, nationality, or origin. A woman who comes from something English 
is an English woman. And I assume, let's see, in the previous episode, yes, we had English man or probably Englishman. So uh, we talked about that in the previous episode. Uh, yep, that's these are the words we got. We, we're using these words and um, like what? Okay, so this is an English dictionary. We're we're talking about English here. So we got English man and English woman. But are we gonna see other nationalities? Man and woman, German man, German woman. Uh, what what's so special about English man and English woman? Why do they need to be in here? Is it just because it's English? I don't know. Psh, whatever, 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 man. I don't know. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Next is English U. Y E W. Two words. Noun from 1615. The synonym is the 1A1 definition for the word U. Y E W. And to be honest, I'm not even sure if I know what that is. I know of the U E W E, which is, is like a sheep, right? Uh, but what is this Y-E-U? I feel like I should know it, but I also don't know it. And um, it's it's a tree. It looks like it's a tree. The U is a tree. You are a tree. The English U. That's it. It's, uh, it's one of the types of trees. Okay, moving on to the word that I was trying to make a sound effect for, and I thought it was great. Before I recorded, I thought it was great, and now I've lost it. <laughs> That's what it is. It's engorge. Verb from 1515. We are starting with transitive. The synonyms, so there's just, it's just this, uh, the synonyms are gorge and glut. So if you're gorging, you are also engorging, and then glut, or glut, G-L-U-T. I don't know if I know that word in terms of gorging, uh, especially, though, we got some actual words here. To fill with blood to the point of congestion. This I've not, I'm not familiar with this one at all. To fill with blood to the point of congestion. I'm so congested. Oh, oh, I'm so congested with blood. I'm I'm engorged. I'm engorged with blood. So I'm uh, I'm all congested up in here. I have not heard of that one. Okay. Well, what does the intransitive say? It says to suck blood to the limit of body cap uh, capacity. So like a mosquito is going to come and suck your blood until it is filled to capacity and it cannot suck no more blood. Uh, and then it flies away, all drunk on blood. Oh, but it's so happy it has all the blood inside of it. Uh, okay, engorgement is a noun. Well, let's... We got it, obviously, talk about the etymology, because uh, it must be related to blood. Uh, this is from Middle French, engorgier, which is from Old French, maybe it's the same word, which means to devour, from N, that's the prefix, plus gorge, I think we're still in Old French, for Old French, gorge, spelled the same way in English, and that means throat, so you're putting things into the throat, um, and then there's more at the word gorge, which of course we'll get to eventually, um, so, but, wait, what, that said nothing about blood, there was nothing in the etymology about blood. Um, 
So what happened there? Uh, I mean, you know, this makes sense the way that we're used to hearing this word, devouring, putting things in your throat, eating a lot, eating, eating, eating. I wish I never got full because I love food so much, but I get full. I got to stop eating at a certain point. Um, but but more, most specifically, it's about filling with blood to the point of capacity or congestion or something. I, I didn't realize that. Why wouldn't they put anything here about food? If you are engorging, right? I mean, are we going to talk more about food specifically when we get to the word gorge, or is it going to be more about blood? I don't know. I, I'm fascinated by that. Hmm. Why wouldn't they talk about food here? Did I say engorgement is a noun? Just just one little mint, and you are engorged. That's me eating blood. The next word is E-N-G-R. It's an abbreviation for one, engineer, or two, engraved, engraver, or engraving. Engraft is next. Transit. No, it's a verb from 1549, starting with transitive. One, to join or fasten as if by grafting. To join by grafting or to fasten as if by grafting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think of like skin grafting. You're putting skin on another thing. You're joining the skin together, fastening them together with Velcro. Probably not Velcro. Uh, okay, number two is the number one definition for the word graft. And number three is the number three definition for the word graft. So yeah, something about uh, probably mostly about skin grafting. Well, also also plants, uh, fruit trees. I think you can graft two fruit trees together, the bottom part of the trunk and the top part of the trunk. It seems easier to graft those together than it should be. But people, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, we'll learn more about that in a few years, probably. Uh, okay, now we're on intransitive for ingraft, number one. To become grafted and begin functioning normally, that's the important part. You can graft, but then not function normally. Uh, as in the example, the, transplant, the transplanted bone marrow engrafted, engrafted successfully. So they took bone marrow from one and put it into another, and then it started working all good and happy, and so it was engrafted successfully. Otherwise, you can't call it engrafted. Um, is there a number? Now, this is interesting. This is very interesting. So, under intransitive, they said number one, which means makes me think that there is a number two, but there is no number two. So, they accidentally put a one in there, and it wasn't supposed to be there, because there's just one, unless they forgot to put in number two. Engraftment is a noun. No etymology. That's 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 the blood. Okay, next word is engrailed. Yes, engrailed. Like like the holy grail. Holy grail adjective from the 15th century. Number one, indented with small concave curves. And the example is an engrailed heraldic borger. 
Borger, B-O-R-D-U-R-E. A Borger? Wait, I don't know what a Borger is. I'm sure that I must have read this in the B's. But what is that? A broad border used as a charge in a coat of arms, often as a mark of difference. So it is a border. It's just a big border. It's a Borger. Interesting word there. Uh, okay, so engrailed. Indented with just putting little little indent and indentations, small concave indentations onto your coat of arms. So you're engrailing it. Number two, made of or bordered by a circle of raised dots, as in an engrailed coin. So a coin has raised dots, a circle of raised dots. Um, maybe maybe these are old coins. Let's put a, a picture of one on social media uh, for an engrailed coin. So what's interesting is the first one was all about concave. It was about the, the bumps going in. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the second one was they were raised. They were convex, I think. So what does the etymology say? I am fascinated. Uh, this is from Anglo-French. Engrelé which literally means reduced or thinned, thinned, like skinny, Um, uh, also from N plus grel, G-R-E-S-L-E, which means slender. Now, I don't understand how this is connected to raised or lowered bumps, Uh, but uh, thinning, yeah, it's all about making skinnier. But I think of the grail, the holy grail, it's a cup, Uh, And so that's concave. I thought there was going to be some connection to that, but I guess not. I don't know. Engrailed. Not exactly what I would have thought. Let's see. That's it for that one. Next is ingrain or ingrained. This is a variation of ingrained or ingrained spelled with an I at the start. Oh, sorry about that. That was extra weird. Um, chomp, chomp. Next is in... No, you have to emphasize the first syllable. Engram, spelled E-N-G-R-A-M. Or you can make it more uh, French, probably, and add an additional M-E at the end. E-N-G-R-A-M-M-E. Engram, noun from 1908. A hypothetical change in neural tissue postulated in order to account for persistence of memory. What are we talking about? Um, hypothetical change in neural tissue. Okay, so it's a, a change in the, the tissues in your brain, probably, right? Uh, but it's hypothetical, so we don't know if it's real. Postulated in order to account for persistence of memory. Ah, so that means... Um, there is this idea of persistence of memory, so what your memory persists, and so they think that this change in your neural tissue probably exists because it's related. They needed something to explain persistence of memory, so they have hypothesized about this engram change of neural tissue. Oh, I definitely got to put a link in the show notes for this one, engram. There's no etymology, which is very suspect. Why is it called engram? Maybe the link will help to explain this. 
Um, and I am fascinated now by this idea of this thing that maybe we think possibly exists. It's a physical change in the neural tissue, because, and it's related to something about memory. Ooh, ooh, I love learning these things. Uh, I have to breathe in when I do that. The next word is engrave. This is a verb. I think it's just just transitive from 1509, number 1A, to impress deeply as if with a graver. So uh, the example is the incident was engraved in his memory. Uh, yes, lot, we have lots of things engraved in our memories. Um, it could be related to engram, because that's also about memory. Um, but engrave, uh, so impress, so you're pressing deeply into a thing. You're putting it into there, um, and it's as if you did it with a graver. And what is a graver? I'm not sure. Maybe it's some tool that you do, you use to engrave things. Is it cutting away? Is it pressing down? I don't know what the graver is, but it's something something put into your memory as if you put it in there with a graver, which I don't think is possible, not into your memory. We got more, though. 1B, to form by incision, as on wood or metal. So you're doing a cut, an incision on wood or metal. You are engraving the wood or the metal. 2A, to cut figures, letters, or designs on for printing. Um, also, to print from an engraved plate, as in an engraved invitation. What are you waiting for? An engraved invitation? It takes so much work to make one of those. So what are we doing with this engraved thing? Um, you're cutting out letters, figures, designs, maybe pictures, icons, lots of things. Um, and then you're going to print from it. So um, maybe, yeah, you take maybe like a wood or a metal plate and you're cutting out the letters and the things that you want to be seen. And then you can print from it. What, do they put like ink on top of it and then they put the paper on that or something or vice versa? Maybe you make a, a negative mold from it. I'm not entirely sure how it works, but engraving is a process. It's a time-consuming process and that's, you know, that's how a lot of things were made back then. Things by hand. There was no digital stuff. Um, uh, headstones at a graveyard. They got to be engraved. Somebody's got to go cut out that metal or that the, the stone with something. Maybe with metal. I don't know how they do it. Probably with metal. Uh, let's see. What else similarly we've got? To be, the synonym is photo engrave. So you're engraving photos. You're, you're doing something with a photo onto a metal plate or a wood or a uh, something. A something. Yeah, I don't know. We'll get to that one later. Engraver is a noun. Uh, let's see. Now, the etymology, I mean, it's really just from the word grave to grave, graving things. But what exactly does that mean? Well, I'm sorry. You just have to wait until the G's. What is grave? Well, we got another similar word. Did we? Yes, we said that. Jump, jump, eat. I'm eating food. Engraving. Noun from 1599, one, the act or process of one that engraves. The act or process of one that engraves. 
They the engraver is engraving. Two engraver's gonna engrave. Two something that is engraved. So this is the thing. Yes, the thing that is engraved is the engraving as two a, an engraved printing surface. It's uh it's ready to go. It's been cut out. It's a surface for printing. Two b. Engraved work. Just any work that has been engraved is an engraving. Three, an impression from an engraved printing surface. So, uh, yeah, it's you're pressing it down to print. And I, again, I don't know if it's the positive or the negative, but uh, it's that's that's what it is. Uh, the an impression from an engraved printing surface. So when you make the engraved printing surface and then you put something on it, I guess that thing, the paper maybe, is also the engraving. Eating food, chomp chomp, sound effect. Sorry for the weird sound effect today. Uh, The last word is engross. Engross. E-N-G-R-O-S-S. Verb uh, looks to be just transitive from the 15th century. 1A. To copy or write in a large hand, like like large handwriting, to copy or write in a large hand. It must be just a big big handwriting. Like John Hancock had a large hand. He had a big old uh, signature on the Declaration of Independence. Boop. Uh, okay, engross that to copy or write in a large hand. One B, to prepare the usually final handwritten or printed text of to prepare the usually final handwritten or printed text of uh, so it's it's done you're printing a text uh, or it's handwritten and you're preparing it and it's it's final and it's done as in uh, as in oh the example of what you are talking about here would be an official document so you're to prepare an official document you are engrossing it that's the word that we use for that? I don't. I, maybe in the, the legal world. Number two. Now, this one has its own etymology. Uh, we'll talk about that later. 2A. To purchase large quantities of. As for speculation. Speculation? You have to buy lots of things? Lots of things to speculate? I am very confused by this. To purchase large quantities of. As for, well, I do know that when you, a gross of a thing, that's like a whole lot of it. So in gross, I guess that makes sense, but I don't know what the word, speculation. And when you're speculating, you're just guessing. What's the other definition? To be, this is archaic, and the synonyms are amass and collect. So you're gathering stuff up like a little squirrel or chipmunk gathering up the nuts for the winter. They are engrossing. To see, to take or engage the whole attention of. Um, also, occupy completely. So to take or engage the whole attention of. Yes, you're. this is the way that we usually think of this word. Maybe not you, but this is the way I think of this word. Um, it's hard to get my head in the right position. I got I to gotta sit up straight if I want to do that. So to take, so the... Gathering the whole attention. I am trying to gather your attention to watch me read this book to you. So I am I'm trying to engross, engross you. 
not gross you out, although that sometimes happens with the sound effects. No, I'm trying to be engrossing. That's the word. That's the next word in the next episode. Um, but then the other part was occupy completely, as in the example, ideas that have engrossed the minds of scholars for generations. Oh, yes, there's lots of ideas. Also, lots of questions. Lots of questions that people have been trying to figure out for all these years, and we're still trying to figure them out, and we'll never, ever figure them out. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe we will. To engross, to no, to occupy completely. Uh, these questions, these ideas, they're engrossed in my head because they completely occupy my thoughts all the time, constantly. And I'm sure you got your own ones that you are engrossed with. Engrosser is a noun. Now, we got to look at the etymology because there's two different sections. So let's go, let's talk about the last one first because that's the most recent one in our memory. It was all about amassing, collecting, uh, taking the intention, um, purchasing large quantities. That etymology says this is from the Anglo French engrosser, which is from en gros, G R O S which means wholesale, um, wholesale or also in quantity. So yeah, it's all about a bunch of a thing or getting a cheap price on a whole bunch of a thing or related to that in some way. Now the etymology for the first part, this was copying or writing in a large hand, preparing the handwritten document, or the other printed document, and this etymology says, this is from the Anglo-French engrosser, same word, um, and that means to put in final form, and the example of what you're putting a into a final form is a legal document, a legal document, putting it into its final form. Um, that is also from Middle Latin, engrossare, which is from ingrosam, which is two words, which means put into final form or literally written in large letter uh, or written in large in, yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's the etymology of that one is all about making a document, writing a thing or making it big, copying, something like that. That's that one. Oh, so much information. Let's pick a word of the episode. We had... English sonnet, English sparrow, English springer spaniel, English system, English toy spaniel, English walnut, English woman, English you, engorge, anger, engraft, engrailed, ingrain or ingrained, engram, engrave, engraving, engross. Well, I think I need to pick engram. E-N-G-R-A-M, because I am so fascinated by what this is exactly. Something about the neural tissue being changed, and it has to do with memory. So, like, maybe when you make new memories, your brain literally changes, but it's hypothetical, but maybe it's not anymore. I don't know. We got to learn about this stuff. Engram. Making memories... Making memories, my brain is changing its engram. Um, it is a it is a noun, yes. So uh, I guess that's what that is. I don't know anything about it. Let's go learn about it. Let's also now talk about a movie that I watched. 
let's see. Where did we leave off? I think I talked about... Um, wow, I'm, I'm way back. Brightburn Curtains, I think, is next. Uh, this is a horror movie. Um, how to explain this one? Do I need to explain it? No, I don't need to explain it. Other than um, some, there's there's more to it than this explanation. Um, there's like five women who are going to a big mansion to basically audition for a role in a is it a play or a movie? Might be a play, and uh and then some stuff happens and there's a very cool creepy mask that pops up and i very much want that mask uh it's a, it's worth a watch it's a, it's an interesting movie uh this is the end of the episode thank you very much for listening and watching and until next time this is spencer dispensing information goodbye